So what is the Go Rock Heavy? Go Rock Heavy is a team event, lasting no less than 24 hours, covering a minimum of 35 miles. You are no longer individuals. You are a team. Your mission is to get everybody to complete all the events to the standard outlined by the cadre. In order to be a good leader, you have to be an excellent follower. To lead is to serve. Nothing more, nothing less. You think you can't handle any more weight? I'm gonna make you carry more shit. You think you're too cold? I'm gonna put your ass in the freezing ass water. You think you can't walk any further? We're gonna walk another 12 miles. You think you can't hold that log over your head? I'm gonna let you stand there and suffer. Cadre or hell today? We are that hell, that adversity. Those demons that are inside your head, they're probably telling you right now, I probably should just quit now and save myself the aggravation. Get your mind right. I will not leave a fallen comrade behind. For some of you, some of you, those words ring true. But the cadre, we live and die by it. I would suggest you do the same damn thing. Get your mind right. You are going to have the pleasure of meeting here from some of the best Americans this country has to offer. Whether it be the cadre or your teammates, here at the Girl Rock Heavy, we build better Americans. What are your questions at this time? Oh, fuck. Welcome to Glorious Professionals, brought to you by Go Ruck Media. I'm Jason, here in the Champagne Room in Jack's Beach, Florida. I got a call and a text, chatted with an old, old, old friend of, of Go Ruck, Cadre Dan Plants, and he's like, yo, I want to come on the podcast. I want to talk about 10 years of building better Americans. I'm like, well, every time I have a conversation with Dan, I get super motivated and super inspired. So I'm like, all right, Dan, the, the show is yours. What, awesome. how are we going to talk about this? So I figured I have some memories and some things that I wanted to talk about, you know, over my past 10 years of building better Americans with GoRuck. And, you know, to start off, I wanted to like really thank you and tell you how appreciative I am for, you know, having the opportunity to do something that 10 years ago, I never thought w would even exist. And that was being a GoRuck cadre and just meeting all walks of life in this country and just having the opportunity to hang out with some of the best this country has to offer and in some of the best places uh, in this country. So it's, it's been an awesome ride and awesome experience. And, you know, I'm absolutely looking forward to the next time. Well, this isn't a jobs program. <laughs> You've become a very dear friend and you do a, a killer job and you're, you, you put the people first. That can be a, a hard thing at times because, you know, like I've been there and I've done this and all, all, all that kind of jazz, but it's not about that. And, and the cadre that get that, get that. And you've look, man, you've pushed me a lot. So I'll, I'll lead off very briefly and just say there was a time before go ruck was go ruck. And it was me being very reluctant to talk about my past because I didn't want to disappoint the regiment. I didn't want to disappoint yeah. the guys that we served with. And it's a really, really fine line. And it's something where if if someone all of a sudden does something, they just kind of get blacklisted and shamed away from the world. And it's like, you've disrespected yeah. our community. And I just, I never wanted to do that. And so there were a couple of you and one was Josh, who was on my team. He was like that guy yeah. that I wanted to earn his respect. And then, you know, on the go rock side, it was, it was you and it was always you. 
And it was like, man, you were just, had just gotten back from Afghanistan when we first met and still fighting the good fight. And, you know, when, when someone comes along and is in that kind of a position, you know, still, still wearing fatigues on Fort Bragg and trying to go up the food chain there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you obviously have in the last decade and is willing to kind of attach your name like you did to go rock that, that meant everything to me. And, and I say that consistently because that would not have been the reaction of some of you, you earliest guys who are part of go rock, go rock literally would not exist because I, I was not about to start a business that disgraced our regiment in any way. Yeah. And so that was really important to me. And I was really glad that you showed up for that class 17 in Raleigh. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, it was, uh, you know, I, I always say, I mean, every once in a while you have to do something that sucks, uh, to validate who you are, you know, and, uh, coming and doing that, that first event, it was just, a you know, it was just a transition time. I've been on a team for a long time and, uh, I just wanted to do something different, just kind of reach out there. And, you know, when you guys are partnered with Tough and everything and, Oddly enough, my wife found, found the website and was like, hey, look at this. And then, oh, look at these folks. Like, that's right up your alley. And I just remember looking on the website, be like, well, you can do this Tough Mudder, but, or you could do a Go Rock Challenge and then do the Tough Mudder with a backpack full of bricks. And I was like, that's elite. That's me. That's what I want to do. And, uh, it, it was great. You know, it, it was, it was good to do something completely out of my comfort zone and, you know, go under a rucksack and, and, and uh, Pansa Pedro with you in uh, Raleigh way back then, 10 years ago. So yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's just a great lifelong lesson, you know, that you have to do something that sucks in order to validate who you are from time to time. Yeah. And, and the other thing too is, you know, you know, you can't rest on your laurels, you know, you have to constantly challenge yourself. Um, one of the things I remember from going through special forces assessment selection, it was one of the cadre, I think, with Taurus is like, you were being assessed in your special forces career from, from this day forward. And, uh, you can't rest on your laurels. And, uh, you know, I, I just walk around with my green beret and just, you know, smack people upside the face with it. They're like, Oh, I'm a green beret. I'm a green beret. But like, I, I have to constantly validate that every day that I earn my seat at the table and, and doing these events is just, you know, whether, whether it being, you know, a participant, cause I've done two, you know, I did the tough in 2011 and then I did the, the Robin Miller heavy as a participant in 2018 or the most important part being the cadre. It constantly refreshes my leadership ability. Like I always learn something new. It keeps me fresh as a leader. Sometimes in military, you get a little stagnant, running, you know, riding a desk, you know, or doing whatever. But like, it's a whole different outlook and a whole different way to train a partner force when you're out there running a go rock event. It's, it's hard to get nervous at a desk, right? Yeah. When it's, when it's 1 a.m. in the middle of you pick the city in the country or the world and you got 30 strangers showing up and they're looking to you and you alone, and you've got to build them into a team. Yeah. I mean, if you're not a little nervous, you didn't, you didn't do it right. You're not doing it right. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and I get, truth be told, I, it's funny you mentioned that I get nervous for every event. Like I do, I still get, I still get butterflies in my stomach and I still get nervous for every event. You know, part of that's just, you know, be me being a perfectionist and want to make sure that, you know, I, I do everything I can to make sure it's a high quality event. And, uh, the other part of it is it just, that, that nervousness keeps you truthful in what you're doing. It, it, it's just like when I jump out of airplanes, man, I still get nervous, you know, which means I'm still scared shitless to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it just keeps me, just keeps me fresh, you know, keeps me on my uh, A game. So I'm, I'm constantly uh, aware of my situation and trying to do the best job that I can. Well, you, you see, you know, 
it's an important note for, for people out there. You're not just immune to human feelings. You just learn to suppress them for some greater reason, some purpose, some why. Yeah. You know, if, if you're, if you're stacked up on somebody and you're about to kick a door down and go into somebody's house and there's guns, right? Yeah. You don't know if they've got them pointed at you. If you're not nervous, you're going to be a liability because it, you won't stay sharp. Yes. Yeah. Like once you get into it, it's something that you learn how to just do and you learn how to just suppress the, the inaction or that voice in your head that, that kind of is like, Whoa, we're, we're doing something we're not supposed to be doing here. Like, <laughs> yeah. but you have to, you have to fight through that. But you know, this idea that people, you know, green berets or, or otherwise are just different. Like it's different because you do it anyway, not because you don't feel it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. The, the last class I ran was in Wilmington and I, and I told the class, I'm like, you know, one of the things that keeps me coming back is like, it's, it's never the same event. It's never stale. It's never stagnant. You know, there's always something different. Every class, like I keep an Excel spreadsheet and I can go back and I can look at all the 150 plus events I've done. And I could point out like a, like a one to two minute spiel or, or something that like happened at that event that hasn't happened at another event. You know what I mean? And the participants, constantly keep me on my toes and you know to your earlier point that when it's one in the morning and they're looking at you like everything's on you and and through my evolution of you know understanding myself better you know take a personality test and all this other stuff like i'm a control guy i like to have control <laughs> i like to be in charge i like to be a leader you know what i mean and i thrive off those things so it's like running a go ruck event like fits my personality like to a t perfectly you know so when was that, when was that really put to the test? Oh yeah, I can, I can, I can definitely tell you one. So, um, so we did these events, the, uh, the triple puffs, we had a couple launched and it was in 2000, was it? It was 2017. So that's when, uh, my, uh, my youngest was born. So anyway, so we're doing the triple puff, right? So we, we, the first puff was in Houston. Second one was in Austin. Third one was in San Antonio. So we, we'd go to do the Houston event and, uh, it was me and Kadri call. And, uh, so we did a, we did a recon, a Google Earth recon and it figured out a route and everything like that. And it was in the, uh, George HW Bush park, which is this giant swamp complex outside of Houston. So we're looking at it and call specifically, like we're tracing the route we're going through and we're looking at it on Google Earth. And he's like, Dan, right here. He's like, this is a water crossing. He's like, if you look at it on Google Earth, it, it looks like a little stream. I'm like, and I looked at it and I was like, Ah, we'll be fine. No big deal. We can, we can cross that. Right. So just from how our route was, we weren't able during the recon to actually walk back there. Cause I mean, it was way back there in the, in, in the park. So anyway, so we go down there, we start the event and, uh, everything was going great. And, uh, we get to this water crossing and it's in the middle of this park, pitch black outside. Uh, we're in the middle of nowhere and we get to this water crossing. And it's not a little creek by any stretch of the imagination. This is like a, I wouldn't say river, but it was a, the, the water was deep enough. It, it was definitely five, five and a half to six feet deep, like average. <laughs> so it's pitch black, right? So you got, you know, 30 plus participants. I got, you know, Carl and me. And at that time, I was not good in the water whatsoever, right? So Carl looks at me and, and Carl was good in the water. And he was like, all right, man, hey, I'm going to swim to the other side. I'm going to check it out first. I'm like, that sounds like a great idea, right? So. I watched him go across and was like, oh, that looked pretty easy, right? I was like, oh, this won't be that bad. It'll be, it'll be trying, but it won't be that bad. And uh, <laughs> I go get in the water 
And like for whatever reason, I didn't go exactly the way he went, and I went under. I went completely underwater. It's pitch black outside. I suck at swimming, and I had my rucksack, and I was holding it up <laughs> like I was holding up a weapon. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to drop my ruck because I don't want to drop my girl up bag because I had my cell phone in and everything like that. So the ruck is above the water, but I'm like drown. Not when I say drowning, you know what I mean? But like I'm definitely struggling in the water. And Carl jerked me out of the water, and I looked at him, and he looked at me, and I was like. Oh shit! We have to get everybody across this water crossing, and uh, the reason we had to get we we had basically two decisions: it was either get everybody across this water crossing or go all the way back. But it was like a ten mile walk, just the way the route was. So Carl, being the super smart cadger he was, we had uh the, we had those plastic cherry cans. We dumped them all out of water, and then what we did is we attached them to my Talon Six litter, so we had like a a, a flotation device. Mm. And what we did is we, like, I had all these sandbags, all these, you know, bullshit coupons. I'm like, dump all that. Like, the only thing that's going across there is, like, essential essential stuff. So, me and Carl, like, orchestrated getting everybody across using this flotation. We had, like, TA-50, and we were ferrying rucksacks and people back and forth in the dark with headlamps across this freaking water crossing and everything like how, that. How long was and, it? Uh, I want to say 12, 12, 15, 20 feet, somewhere around there. Okay. I mean, it was like the actual crossing was yeah. like, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like, it's like fishing stories, you know, man, that was like 30 feet. You know, yeah. I, I, to be honest <laughs> with you, I mean, like, it felt like forever. You yeah. know what I mean? Cause like trying to get all these participants and all the stuff through uh, across the river was pretty, it was very challenging. And uh, one of the times a couple of rucksacks had fallen off the, off the, the raft we had made, the flotation device. And I had uh, Connor Hortzman with us in that class. The dude's like a collegiate swimmer and like, bro, without hesitating, like dived underneath the water before I could say anything and like came up like a minute later and he was like, I think I know where they're at. I'm like, like, bro, it, like, how do you even see anything down there? And like, he dove down there and like retrieved the rough sacks. And then also, I mean, he was instrumental in helping us get all the folks across this river crossing. And that was crazy, man. Like I, 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 I don't know if I get how I could paint the picture any better, but I mean, like, like that—that that was probably one of the most stressed I've ever been at an event ever, but by far, was that water crossing because I was so concerned with the participant safety. And we finally get to the end, and like, you know, all the people that are like swimmers and are not worried about water—they all went first. But it was all the people at the end. They were like, "I'm not getting in that water." It was like a, you know, a leadership challenge. Like, you know, Carl and and, and Connor. You know, because I was on the other side, like, hey, you know what, like, the whole participants, all the participants saw me go under, which didn't help. Yeah, that, does, <laughs> you know I mean? so that like, doesn't help. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm not the guy to talk to these guys about swimming across, you know what I mean? I was trying to, like, pep them up a little bit, but, like, at the end of the day, it's got to be call. It's got to come from Call and Connor. And both those guys, like, swam everybody across that needed, like, help and everything like that. It, it was like an ad hoc team event within a team event. Uh, get everybody across the river. And it was just you know, a great exercise on leadership as in we had to make a decision. We made a decision. We came up with a plan. We executed that plan with extreme prejudice. You know what I mean? Like the safety of the participants was like absolutely number one. Yeah, that was, that was pretty wild. Yeah. And then you're done and you're like, thank God, right? Well, yeah, we had another five miles to walk through swamps or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to finish the go recommend. But uh you know, once we got back, I, I mean, I remember telling the participants, I'm like, hey, man, I, I've never had that happen in all the years I've been doing girl work with. Never. And I appreciate everybody, like, 
you know, sticking together and, and being calm and, and getting through getting through that specific obstacle. I mean, I was you couldn't have planned that one any better, you know? Yeah, I mean, one time I got a frago, I got called by the deputy commander or something of West Point. I was staying up there. My my old team leader was a professor at West Point. I was crashing at his place at West Point and they kind of yeah. they, they got wind of this go ruck thing that was happening there. And one thing leads to another. They have my phone number because they got a bunch of cadets that are signed up and I'm getting a call, you know, an hour before it's supposed to start. Like literally the the quote on the other side of the line is what the hell are you planning on doing to my cadets tonight? Right. And I, and basically bottom line is it got kicked off campus. Like you can't, you can't execute this on, on campus, which God bless Joe Warner. He would later do that. Yeah. Right. He took his class across the main field and that was, he was a West Point graduate. So I had to go, you know, recon this other, it's like Cornwall by the sea, I think it's called. And I had to come up with this whole new scenario. And this was at a time when everything was, was kind of reconned down to the foot step. Right. Yeah. Like we will go here and we will go here and we yeah. will go here and we yeah. will go here. Yep. And it just completely blew up in my face. And I was very stressed out. I mean, internally, you know, you process it like a, yeah. you process it like you still have to get the job done because you do, but man, you, your head just starts spinning every which way oh, yeah. and you got to just stay calm and make it happen. And, and thankfully that's kind of what we did. Yeah. And I came up with a whole new scenario about they're paving the way for a larger force and, you know, just classic military stuff. And they, I mean, I gave the, the West Pointer some extra and that that's those kinds of classes where you have people who are eager to learn the lessons that you want to teach them. Yeah. And they're, they're willing to, to learn it. However you find best to teach them. Those are very rewarding. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, so you remember the go ruck ascent, the very first go ruck ascent we, uh, we, we ran in 2011. I do. So a little history on this, there was something we, we still had this strong partnership with Tough Mudder and Tough Mudder had kind of come up with world's toughest mudder yep. and it's a, supposed to be this big production. And in their eyes, it was this big media friendly event and all that. And I, I don't really, didn't really understand all of that. I understood it for them. I didn't really understand it for us. And I still kind of don't other than I guess go ruck selection. But I was like, all right, well, we need to have this culminating thing for the people that come and do our events. And so I'm like, all right, well, we'll make it really shitty, right? We'll go climb mountains and and do all this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I thought about, you know, how do you take, because the challenge at that time was, was you know, 12 hours of suck. And yep. I was like, okay, well, how do you take a different phase of special forces training? Well, it's real simple. You you do a lot of work, a lot of miles. It really sucks. And you you don't get fed. Yeah. It's like just bare minimum, nothing. You're just, yeah. you're living off your own muscles. Yeah. And that was kind of the, the intent. And I, I think we didn't manage expectations that well, cause there was a lot of unhappy campers, <laughs> so to say, but I mean, it was really cool. Cause we ended up going out middle of the night, you know, forward operating base. And then you're, you get yep. a few hours of sleep. It's freezing cold. I'm sleeping in a tent with, it was a two person tent and there were three dudes in there plus Java. Yeah. And we're, you know, jackhammer shivering to stay warm, right? Cause pack light yeah. freeze at night and, uh, woke up and then summited right at sunrise. Anyway, I'm stealing your thunder on the ascent. No, no, absolutely. No, I, I just, you know, when I think back to the ascent, I think of overwhelming success and, and there's two things that you said, I don't think we've ever even talked about this, but you know, there's two things that you said that really, I'm so glad you said them at that event because that really set me up for success. So the first one was, Hey man, not only they pay to do this event, but they're also paying to hang out with you. You know, I remember we had, we had climbed a mountain, Belfort, and we, and I had uh, brought the class back 
and uh, we were at the campsite. You know, the guys went over there to their tent, and then I went over with all the other cadre and everything like that, and I was just kind of hanging out, and you said that. And, like, you know, when you're in the military, you're, like, in that kind of, like, training environment. There's, like, delineation between, like, the cadre and then, like, the students or the candidates or the participants, whatever, you know, naming convention you want to use. And when you said, hey, man, not only did you hear to, like, learn from us and, you know, do this event and experience all this, but also here to hang out with you. I was like, who the fuck wants to hang out with me? Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm really not, you know what I mean? Like, I'm definitely not that cool, you know what I mean? But it really, it, it, it immediately broke down a barrier from that day forward that, like, there's no barrier between me and the participants, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm just like everybody else, you know what I mean? That was critical to my success with, with GoWork, and it still is, you know what I mean? I, I talk to the participants just like I talk to my soldiers, just like I talk to, well, not, not all the time to my wife and kids, but to, to a certain extent, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm pretty... I'm pretty candid and I'm pretty open and I'm, I'm I, and I'm like this all the time. You know what I mean? But and that was that was pretty important. And then the second thing you said that you know, first when you said I was like this guy's out of his fucking mind, you know. But like we were doing the AAR and we were sitting in Brian's um, house and we were we were you know going back and forth. And you're like at the end of the AAR, you're like, yep, this was awesome. You know, we might have lost money, but we proved that this works. <laughs> I was like what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we proved that the concept works. I was like, yeah, we we probably definitely lost a lot of money. I was like, I'm not, I, you know, don't do math in public, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure we, we we lost some money on this event. And I lost a bean counter, but like the fact that like you were willing to take that risk, you know what I mean? You're like, hey man, here's my plan. Here, here's what I think right looks like. Here's my intent. You know, is, is the uh, you know the commander of of Go Ruck. And uh, I want you guys to execute this. Here's a bunch of money and beer. Go, <laughs> you know what I mean? Figure it out. And like, that's an important leadership trait that a lot of people don't have is empowerment. And, and you definitely had it that uh, for that event. You know, you're like, hey man, this is what I want to see. I'm gonna throw out some stuff, hang out with the cadre. But like, at the end of the day, like, you guys are the ones walking the mountains. I'll be walking with you, of course. But you know, this is what I want. This is what I think uh, right looks like. And and that was important because in the like, you know, that empowerment aspect help me like build my persona and, and how I was going to run events for the next 10 years based off of those two, <laughs> those two things that you said right off the bat set me off for success. Well, I mean, it was kind of an easy, an easy thing. I'm glad it, it worked, how it was communicated, but the, the easy part was you, you had and have a lot more, a ton more experience as a green beret than I ever will. And I would be crazy to sort of sit and think that what I, I came up with all the best ideas, right? I, it's just not how it, it's not how it works. Yeah. And it's not, it's not reality. And the other part is I was always committed to this idea of community building. Like once the community yeah. latched on to the Go Ruck challenge and to Go Ruck events, I was like, all right, this is, this is awesome. Yeah. And community building is, is really it's really challenging to put, I mean, this is going to be one of my life's works is kind of codifying the, my version of a template on how to build community or the characteristics or, or the behaviors that you need to do in order to build and strengthen and grow a, a community. Yeah. And part of it is you have to do things that are new and exciting and you have to bring people together. And, and so, you know, we were running a fair amount of go ruck challenges and we had, you know, gear and we had a lot going on, but this was like a vacation for me. I mean, I, I, you know, I've taken, let me think zero vacations ever since the start of go ruck that didn't involve go rucks in some way, yeah. shape or form. Right. And so yeah. 
it's kind of let GORUCK work for you. And you know, you, you've done that. You've gotten to go see certain parts of the world or you've tacked it onto some school where you were out in out West or whatever the case yeah. may be. And th this yep. really works in order how to sustain it so that it doesn't always feel like, oh man, you know, the hardest pep talk you got to give yourself is before the second challenge of a back-to-back -back weekend. Yeah, Cause yeah. you got like yeah. two hours in between just brutal. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it was oh. like, Hey, let's get my buddies together. Let's, I mean, beer is really inexpensive. Everybody loves it. And you, you put a big bonfire and yeah, we, you, the, the participants didn't eat real well during the event, but then they stole some food from some other camper or something. I forget. And then, yeah. and then there was a, a huge, uh, pig roast at the end with all this, uh, yep. all this beer that we got from big sky brewing and stuff that was there. And then we loaded up the car to drive to the first New York city, nine 11, yep. NYC nine 11. And we brought big sky yep. brewing East of the Mississippi where it's not authorized to be sold for some trademark things. And so, you know, I remember then we pulled up to the the little spot where we were basing out of for the New York city events with all that, the, the leftover beer. Cause we had a lot, like the, we, we put a yeah. serious den in it, but we had a lot of beer and it was yeah. pretty, it was pretty great. So, but the ascent was cool and you do have to, sometimes you're going to lose money. Don't like fail fast and don't, don't scale things that lose money. But part of it is a consumption thing. I mean, you have to, you can go do a planning offsite. You can do whatever the case may be. In this case, participants helped us defray some of the costs of something that was really fun for us and let us check in. And, and it was so new and, and underdeveloped at that time that it let us kind of be around each other and trade some stories. And, and then we're just still developing this live problem. Yeah. Well, you talked about community and like, I think the first time that I really saw community in action was in Savannah in 2011. So I had ran, I was at that, ascent, that, that year's ascent. Wilmington was my uh, first go ruck tough. And then I went down, down to Dallas and ran two toughs down there. And then I went up to the next, the following weekend, went up to Savannah and ran two toughs. So within 45 days, I had all those events knocked out, right? So in uh, Savannah 2011, I remember showing up to uh, meet that, that tough class. And uh, that's when I met uh, Mike Nash, who's a really good friend. I still talk to him and hang out. He's the owner of CrossFit Lakeland down in yeah CrossFit yeah, Lakeland. Great, and, great yeah. dude. Him and Kim, great yeah. people, yep. great family. Yeah, solid Americans, right? And they, they brought their whole CrossFit. They they brought like they literally brought their whole damn CrossFit gym up there. So I remember walking up like Billy Badass Cadre, Green Beret, Dan Plants, right? And I walk up and there's all these super in shape fit folks and they're all wearing the same T-shirt. I was like, oh shit, you know what I mean? Like, all right, these guys came here, and they're legit. You know, in that class were, were some other some other great folks, and you know, one of them is Christian Kovac. He was in that class, and you know, I still talk to him and, and hang out. And he, he's a, you know another great human being. And uh, I remember like the the way you know throwing. I, I threw the book at that class, and they did awesome. It was all all about smiles. It was all about teamwork. It was all about leadership. It, I mean, it was great. I had a blast during that class. And then like on the way to my hotel room, I actually got into an accident because I was so tired. Actually, bumped the car in front of me and I remember the person got out and I was like yeah sorry I've been up all night you know what I mean no I'm not drinking I've been up all night and then I had to pep talk myself for that second event you know that's the the, the greatest motivational speech is the one that Kadri tells himself before that second event you know and uh I remember showing up to the second event and there's like Josh Rubin Eric Kling and, and some other bros and and these guys I threw the book at them too and and, and you were angrier twice as angry as you yeah. were at the start of the first challenge <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? And like, 
like I threw everything I had at them and they're just like, that's it. We got any more. You got any more of that? You know what I mean? And they paid everything out and they were just great classes. And, and, and the community aspect was just seeing how awesome the, the people from, you know, this country that wanted to be a part of the GoRuck community that showed up to this event and, and put out and, and really took my leadership lessons from Afghanistan and, you know, my military career. And I was like, man, these guys are legit, man. These folks are legit. And, and, and there, there definitely is something to build that bridge between the civilian and the, uh, you know, the, the military, because being in the military for so long, I'd been so sheltered, you know, like, oh, I only hang out with military folks. My, my wife uses this shit all the time. She's like, you only talk to other green braves. I'm like, well, no, actually not really. You know, I, mean, I got a whole bunch of, whole bunch of folks that talk to go up, you know what I mean? None of them are green braves, you know what I mean? Other than the cadre. And, um, it was just great, you know, to, I really saw that bridge coming, really getting built. And I really saw the community aspect. And I was like, that was the event where I was like, man, like these folks are legit. And it just made me want to work even harder for the next events. And it really, I really wanted to like, man, I, man, I could do events like every weekend, which like now is like, no way. Like, it's, yep. it's, I'm getting too old for that shit. I, I, I'm too old and too beat up for that right now. But uh, yeah, man, it was just great. It was just beating off the class and, and, and the folks who are in that class. I still talk to this day. You know, I was, I was just texting back and forth with uh, Mike Nash not even a couple of days ago about something. And it's, it's great to keep up with these folks, you know, because they're, they're great people. Okay. So to go back to community building. So, you know, that's what Green Berets do, right? We're not the best soldiers. We, we train and fight with the best soldiers so mm -hmm. that we achieve with them our stated end goal, our mission. Yep. So, you know, that's a lot of what you've dedicated your, your career to is, you know, you go to Afghanistan, you work with the commandos or, or other Afghan soldiers, and mm -hmm. you kind of combine forces, community, right? Yeah. So how do you build, and you've been doing this at GoRuck for a decade. Yeah. What are the, what are the principles? What are the fundamentals? How do you build community? So I think, you know, in any community, you have to have a leader. And I, I really do. I do focus on the, the, the leadership and the teamwork aspect of that community. If you have a leader, like somebody's always got to be in charge. I tell every girl class, I'm like, somebody's always in charge. You know what I mean? Um, and then the teamwork aspect of like, hey man, we have a mission. We're all going to, we're all going to do this together. This is not an individual event. This is a team-based event and endurance event. And as far as building the community, what I, what I specifically do, I really try, I, I don't say it in words, but I, I try and, I try and teach these guys servant leadership, like putting putting yourself last and putting the needs of, of your subordinates or your participants or, again, whatever naming convention you want to use, putting them first, you know, and being a selfless leader, which I think is very important. And it, 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 as far as building the community, I, I think whenever you teach a version of servant leadership, you teach people to work together with each other. I think that's when you, you'll start building the community because everybody has you know, shared values, shared norms, shared beliefs. And you're all like, man, we're all really the same. You know what I mean? And there, there might be some differences, but overwhelmingly, we're all human beings. We're all, we, we all want to uh, gravitate towards getting these things done. And, uh, you know, during the event or even just whatever, even, you know, with, with all the rock clubs and, you know, all the charity work that those guys do, or just, uh, you know, reaching out to somebody that needs help or reaching out to, you know, help others in need or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just the lessons you learn at Go Ruck events, they're, they're applicable to everything in life. And it's just so great to see the, the, the community aspect of it build up. And, you know, the, the other part of the community aspect too is, is 
being able to reach out if you got a problem, being able to reach out and touch somebody. You know, I, I think it's I think it's understated that like me or anybody else, you know, if they're looking for a financial advisor, they're looking for like advice on certain things. I mean, you go on the tough page, maybe not on Wednesdays, but you go on the, the tribe page, you can go on the tribe page and be like, Hey, you know, Hey, I'm looking for somebody to do this or Hey, I'm looking to hire some folks like this. And like, like you have like 20,000 plus people that can immediately help you out or whatever. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, that didn't exist 10 years ago. We, we all have a shared mindset of, of, you know, pushing through adversity and, and, and trying to get shit done. And, uh, it's just a great way to build a community of people with a shared understanding that it, it, it's super important to get shit done. You know? Okay. So let's go back to servant leadership a little bit. So how do you teach that? Yeah. So that, that, that one's a little bit hard. So what I, I the, the two ways I like to do is I like to use things that have happened to me in my military career. And then I also, with our themed events, I like to, you know, try and infuse what happened during those themed events and frame it in a servant leadership kind of uh, aspect. So I just did uh, the Extortion 1 7 events and, and I had talked about, you know, the crew chiefs and the, and, and the pilots, how they all were like one team on that helicopter. It wasn't like the pilot wasn't like, I'm the pilot of this helicopter. I'm the, I'm the best person on this helicopter or anything like that. They, they all had a specific mission and they're all support, mutually supporting each other. And the mission was to make sure that helicopter left the ground, took troops to wherever they needed it and then brought them back. So in the themed events, I, I try and do that. I, I, it, it doesn't always work all the time, but I try. You know, Normandy is a lot, hell of a lot easier. Cause you got a lot more examples, you know. But I think the other thing too is like I, my, my shared experiences across my military career are like super important uh, to teach guys. Not not because I'm trying to talk about myself, because I've been put through some pretty pretty tough times, and and, and I think it's good to, to to talk about those with the participants. So, so just to, just to give people a little bit of a, a glimpse into that, your first real mission, Shock Valley, two guys on your team received the Medal of Honor for actions that they took on that mission. I mean, that's your, that's yeah. your first mission as a Green Beret. Like first, second time yeah. outside the wire, I think first, first real mission. Yeah. Second, yeah, second time outside the wire. I yeah. mean, it, this is, this right. is insane, right? And, yeah. and to, to still be. Like you've been to two of those ceremonies now, Ron Schur, rest in peace, Matt Williams. By the way, they both lived through and, and received the Medal of Honor, not posthumously, yeah. but in the flesh. And then and then yep. Ron would later pass away of, of lung cancer and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, how do you take your personal stories, whatever they may be from that that battle or from dealing with other people in whatever job you're in and kind of build that that bridge? What's a, What's a personal example? So I, uh, you know, specifically the shop alley, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, being a super, like super green, green beret, <laughs> you know, baptized in fire, uh, in shock Valley, you know, I, and I, I told all the guys on the team at that time that like super appreciative of the fact that I got to see what right looks like right off the bat, you know, the, the, the leadership and the teamwork that those guys displayed on that day, there's not a better example of, of leadership and teamwork, whether that's from, you know, the team starting Scott Ford or, or, you know, with, you know, Matt Williams did on that day or, or any of the guys on that team did that day. Even, even Cadre Call. I mean, Cadre Call, I was with Cadre Call during that battle and like whatever that guy told me to do, that's exactly what I did. And he, he took care of me and he made sure that I was, uh, that I was good to go. And, um, the servant, the, the servant leader aspect of him putting himself, um, or him putting others before himself. I mean, I absolutely saw that with how he treated his interpreters, how he treated the commandos that we had. 
on, on our side of the objective and then how he treated me, you know, and uh, I, I like to give examples of that during events um, to, to kind of reinforce, you know, that, that servant leadership. And then the other part too is like during the event, you know, I like to, you know, put somebody in charge and then like, Hey man, how do you think you did, you know, kind of critique them a little bit lately, you know, the past year or two with, you know, with us doing more of a focus on a themed event, I haven't been able to really neck that down too much. Um, I've kind of gotten a little bit away from that, but, but, but that's something I definitely want to start, you know, necking down a little bit more into uh, getting kind of a little bit more back into the roots of uh, teaching servant leadership during these events. Yeah, it kind of comes in, in cycles. And I think the yeah. the important takeaway there is people sit out there, I've, I've just seen this, man, and they're like, you're either a born leader or you're not, right? And, you know, it's like, oh, well, see, Dan took a personality test and he's a leader and all this stuff. But now you're telling us a story about how, well, you know, <laughs> yeah. I was new. I'd put myself in this in this situation by choice, yep. but I was new. I didn't know what was going on. And like, I did as exactly as I was told. Yeah. And that was not the time to sort of, you know, be like, hey, bro, I'm actually a natural born leader and you no. know, I got this, you know? No, no not right? at all. You got to be humble. You got to yeah. be humble and you have to try new stuff. You got to do these, these things that push you outside of your comfort zone or in, in order to grow at all. Yeah. And so you're, you're where you are now because you just have done that Absolutely. for a career. Yeah. It's always something uncomfortable that's next. And it's not just, yeah. Hey, I was a green beret. Let me, let me show you my tab. Absolutely. So it, it's funny you bring that up because I just left, you know, third group and, you know, after, you know, 13 years straight being in third group and I, I left as a company sergeant major of the company I grew up, grew up in, which is an anomaly. You know what I mean? Like to be that lucky to be able to be the company sergeant major, the company that I've spent most of my time in third group is just, I'm, I'm so grateful for the opportunity from all the leaders in third group to get that. But either way, so the, the, the reason I bring this up is when I talk to the company, whenever it was my, you know, time to go and I gave my last farewell speech, I told them, I pointed myself, I'm like, hey man, this right here, this war machine, like to build this war machine is a team effort. I didn't do this on my own. Like I had a lot of people to help me out, you know, and I just started kicking off the three team sergeants I had prior to me being a team sergeant. Like I saw what right looks like right off the bat. Each one of those team sergeants, I can look at them and I can be like, hey man, I learned this from this guy and this is how I applied it in, in my career, you know? And then, you know, some of the senior enlisted, the sergeant majors and, and a lot of the officers and, and just the other guys to my left and right, man. Like you just learn so much from watching people and, you know, seeing them either, you know, do things really good or you know, like, hey man, you really screwed this up. Like I'm not going to do that. You know what I mean? I try as much as I can to bring those stories into go ruck events. You know what I mean? It, 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 as much as I can, you know, it just depends on the event really, you know? So what's your, what's your sort of leadership style in a few bullet points and, and how do you, and how do you demonstrate that? That's a good question. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an active duty SAR major, right? So there, there's an aura about being a SAR major, like, Oh my God, like, I don't want to talk to that dude because he's a SAR major, right? So you, you're like brought up when you're a private, it's like, you see that guy over there? Like, Stay away from that guy at all costs, right? Yep. And uh, one of one of my favorite uh, commanders in a third group, he he told me this quote. It's hilarious. He's like, "There's two people in the army that wear stars, and you shouldn't fuck with either of them: sergeant majors and generals." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's pretty true, you know." So what I try and do is like immediately let people know that, like, hey, man, just because I'm a sergeant major, I'm not any different than you. Like, I'm just one of the bros. It's just, I've been in the army longer. I got a lot more experience. 
I think I'm a lot smarter, but I'm not the smartest guy in the room by a stretch of the imagination. You know what I mean? The Army promoted me based off of my performance. And then I keep moving up in my career because of my potential that I've shown in my last job. You know, so I'm just one of the bros. I'm here to help you out. And, you know, and, and there's a line, you know, there's, there's balance in that. You can't be too bro-ish. You can't be too much of an asshole either, you know, being a senior enlisted guy. And I always, 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 always put people first. Always. A lot of folks in military talk about putting people first. And a lot of them do a really good job. And a lot of people, they don't. And I always put people first because mission will always get done as long as you take care of the people. You take care of people, the mission will always get done, you know? So what's an example? Like, what, what are the things that you have to take care of for your guys? Oh, I mean, like, you know, sometimes more machines, like sometimes they misfunction, man. Sometimes they misfire, you know, they need, they need some support and they need uh, some maintenance, you know, and uh, some folks in my, in my, uh, in my career field will, Hey, this, this, this guy's not, he's not working at the level that we need him to work at. So we're just going to yank him off the team and put him somewhere and, and put a new guy in. And, and I, I, I never was about that. You know, I was always like, all right, man, let, let's take a look at this guy. Let's see what's going on. Let's talk about his family. Let's see if there's any underlying conditions. And, you know, let's just talk to this guy like a human being. Let's put people first. And, uh, you know, hey, we might have to pull him off the team, but maybe we put him on the B team. And if we put him on the B team, you know, I can keep an eye on him. And uh, we, can, we can get this guy the help he needs because at the end of the day, I like to play the long game. And we invest so much time, so much money, so many resources into building a Green Beret that I, I think just a – just throw away a green beret is just a, a complete waste of talent. So I, I really put a lot of energy into, you know, taking care of the pros. And because the way I look at it, it's an investment. We're investing in the long game. And I want to get as, as much out of that green beret as I humanly can, you know, without even going into a specific example. But that, that's the yeah. way I look at it, you know? I mean, it, it will ebb and flow. And you've seen guys over the years where, something bad else in their life's going on and work starts to suffer and you can't bring yeah. any of that stuff to the office. And so, yep. you know, all of a sudden that's a dude with his shit in the, in the hall and it's like, all right, get out of here. And it, it could yeah, have been like, you know, sometimes it's not that, but sometimes it is, Yeah, you know? So an, another thing I remember you, you were always huge on physical fitness, like lead from the front. You, you cannot yeah, be, so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so why? You know, I, I, I like maybe it's just the way I've been programmed over the years. And oddly enough, like I, I think I learned it from the 82nd from seeing like some of the best leaders I had in the 82nd were like the most physically fit. There, I think there is a correlation between being, you know, extremely physically fit and being a very capable, you know, leader. I can't follow anybody that's not physically fit. It's just, it just doesn't work. It just, you know what I mean? It just, it just doesn't for me. And the part of that's being, you know, brainwashed being in the military. Uh, but I, I, I have to lead from the front and I, I have to set the standard and there's a cost to that. You know what I mean? Like I, I still train like I'm 25, but I'm not, you know, there's, there's a second order of effects that I'm dealing with that, uh, that I'm having to work through. But, um, it, it, to me, it's very important to be physically fit. And the two things I look at is like, that's a basic foundation of being a soldier in the United States army is being physically fit. That's number one. Our country absolutely deserves all of our soldiers, not deserves, but like demands that all of our soldiers are physically fit. That's number one. Number two, the, you throw a Sergeant Major quote in there again. With the last Sergeant Major of the Army, Dan Daly, he had a great quote. He, he talked about PT. He was like, 
PT might not be the most important thing you do that day, but it's the most important thing you do every day. I was like, man, that's pretty wild. You know that's what I mean? When solid. you think about it, I was like, yeah. I was like, that's solid. That's sage advice from a sergeant major. You know what I mean? Like, I love that quote, and it's it's important. And, and, and there's so many healthy benefits to like you know doing physical activity. I mean, we, we there's well, you've already done plenty of. I'll, I'll transition this real quick and say, you know, as I was transitioning out, I was like, man, screw that army PT stuff. I'm not waking up at six in the morning and doing that. That's yeah. dumb, right? I get to, I'm free yeah. now. I don't have to do any of that stuff. And yeah, I, I, I got myself into some, some trouble that way. And I mean, trouble just from a, you know, my, I, I was off as a human being just off. Yeah. And, you know, there is something that is the, the mind and the body are very closely tied together. And if you neglect one, then you're shortchanging the other at the same time. And so I learned this. I mean, I grew up an active kid and stuff, but this idea of as a, as a routine working out, you will actually feel better. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm stating the basics here, right? Yeah. But oh, yeah, I mean, green berets are masters of the basics, right? And the basics is physical fitness, taking care of yourself, having the personal responsibility to get your ass up and, and work out every day, you know? And if I don't, it's it's so pro, like physical fitness is so programmed into my coconut that like I pretty much plan my day around what I'm going to do whatever PT I'm going to do that day and then like man if I don't do PT that day I, I do not feel normal yeah you know what I mean like it, 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 at a bare minimum I got to do at least 30 minutes of yoga at bare minimum you know and even then I'm still off like I have to do something every day which another thing Green Beret's doing yoga now people take note it's good right? Yep. Like it's absolutely good. For diversify, you. diversify your stuff. All right. Mem- <laughs> memory lane. Next up, I got two, two definite things. I want to talk about nine 11. I want to talk about selection. Which one do you want to talk about yep. first? Two selection. All right. So history of go ruck selection. Mm. Yeah. So when you guys were, I, I remember when you guys ran the first one and not ran the first one, you were, we were talking about running, running the event. And I think you were going to call it go ruck diesel. I love that. I still love that name. And but like but Diesel. Trek sort of became the other thing. Yeah. Well. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I, I, I was trying to like, give clip notes, and I, I I don't know if I still have the email thread, but like the email thread between back and forth between me and you on like what selections should look like <laughs> and everything like that. And, and, and the funny thing, true to SFAS today, it hasn't changed very much. You know what I mean? I, I'm almost positive we pull up that email thread. It's like, Gorak selections ran exactly the same way as that email thread. Some minor tweaks. Other than that, we we established that baseline, you know, years ago. But I, I remember, you know, we were going back and forth on this event. I was like, yeah, when's the first one going to be? And you you gave me the dates, and I was like, no, I'm going to be in Tajikistan. You got to move it. He's <laughs> like, no, you're going to come home and you're going to spend a couple weeks with your with, with Sandy. You're not coming to this event. Do not come down here to this event. Yeah. I was like, I can make it. I'm flying in like that Wednesday before or whatever. And you're like, absolutely not. You will stay in Fort Bragg with your wife. I was like, well, yeah, that, yeah, that, 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 that's definitely a way better decision. And I'm glad I did that. You know, obviously. Yeah, it got tweaked a little bit. I mean, the pass rate went way down after that first beta, but the first beta was 54 hours. Yeah. And it was in the hot sun. It was not, it sort of was a mixture of selection and uh, of SFAS, so to say, meaning there was almost like the team week portion where you could talk with each other, sort of, we weren't quite as strict on that as isolating everybody. Yeah. And it just, it evolved quickly and it was born because, you know, back in the day, the the tough page, everyone was just talking a bunch of smack about how great they were because they had, you know, 
they'd stepped up and done a challenge. And it's like, look, respect, man. Yeah. But like, like we can take this up a notch if you want. And yeah. and they did. They wanted. Yeah. And, and it was the back-to-back challenges, too. Everybody was talking smack about it. Because they're like, yeah, I just did a back-to-back stuff. And, like, that was easy. They're like, okay, but we, I mean, we can, we can crank this up, like you said. You it know? was the early st- days of, though, you know, where what I, what I dislike the most about online stuff is that people just behave in ways that are not very civil. And it was kind of, yeah. you try to sort of one up everybody else. And it's, yeah. it's like, you know, I mean, I work, I work with Richard Rice every day. I'm just never going to be able yeah. to one up that dude ever, you yeah. know? Never. And it's like, you learn humility, <laughs> go, go, go find a Richard Rice and then you'll never want to rise up again. Right. Yeah. Like, Oh, I'm going to tell somebody else what's up. Like, nah, because you know, Richard might be standing in the corner, right. Watching you do that. And if you live your life like that, it's, it's actually a lot better. You can even do it online. It's amazing. Um, but it was fun too. I mean, that event, a lot of, a lot of mixed emotions for me because we were into such team building stuff. And then here was this event that was not, you were always very pro selection and I get that. Yeah. It sort of suits you, especially where, where you are now back at schoolhouse. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So like, uh, I remember class zero, zero one. I remember we ran in Washington, DC and we're on the Chesapeake, uh, Chesapeake and Ohio canal. And we're at one of the locks and it was like, I think we're 24 hours or 24 plus hours in the event. Uh, we put most of the, we put most of the class in a, in a trailer to get them out of the elements. We put them in there for an hour and a bunch of them slept. And, uh, I remember like we went in there, woke them up. We we're like, all right, it's time to go. And like, it was just like mass quitting, right? Just like, and I wasn't there for the mass quitting because I had, the idea was like, we're going to open the trailer door and then we're going to give these guys instructions. They're going to move like two miles down the road. And that's where you're at, Dan. And I was like, okay, cool. Anyway, so they opened the trailer door. A bunch of people quit. And Olaf, he did not quit. <laughs> and I remember him coming up the trail and that dude was moving with a quickness. And this is 24 hour, 24 plus hours in this event. And he had done that, that beta class. Only guy to ever pass twice. Yeah. Yeah. So Olaf. he did. He did the summer class and he did a winter class. So like, like December, Washington, DC, it's not warm, you know? And I remember Olaf, I'm like, all right, can you get your, get over, go over there and, uh, just, just face the wall or whatever. That dude was like, he was completely in the game. And I was like, that guy, that guy right there. Like, I would love to take that guy and train him how to freaking, how to use a firearm and train him how to, you know, train indigenous people and then send him in the Q course or, that dude should be a, a green beret. You know what I mean? And, and it was just like seeing that level of people come to that event. I was like, just blasted away, you know, and, and you know, Chris way was there too. And I uh, Dave Kim and, and they, they, they all three of them did phenomenal at that event. You know what I mean? It was cold as hell at that event, you know? Oof. Yeah. Of course you had the fire off to the side. Let them watch you mm-hmm. stay warm. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, what was like the next class in January, like having Eric Clint, his selection class. And, uh, I wasn't there for the first 24 hours because I had to work and I just jumped in my truck and just like hauled ass down there. And I got down there and, uh, I was like, all right, where were we at? Linked up with the other cadre. And I'm like, all right, man, I'm on to the next 24. Like I'm not stopping. And I remember like, they were like, all right, man, he's the only one. And I was like, it's not a one. It's like, yeah, it's this guy named, uh, Kling. And I was like, absolutely. I was like, I know Eric very well. Right. So, they, they had started moving, the other cadre started moving them down the beach. And then I just like kind of followed it behind the cadre. And, uh, and then the cadre, he, he went off into the team house and I, I kept following Eric down the beach. 
And uh, Eric was like, you know, he was bouncing between between the ocean and the uh, the berm, the, the the dunes. The, yeah, the dunes. Yeah, he would like start like kind of walking sideways. He would get in the water. His feet would get wet. He'd be like, he would wake up and then he would bounce off the seawall, you know, off the dunes. And then he'd be like, oh, this is high ground. This is not where it's supposed to be, right? So you, you know, he kept bouncing back and forth. I, I got after about three miles, I got tired of watching him, and I went and grabbed him. I was like, Eric. It was the only time I called him Eric the whole time. I was like, Eric, hi, this is Dan. You're not dreaming. I'm here. I'm the cadre for Go Up Selection. I'm following you. You need to wake up. All right? Continue walking down the beach. And he was like, oh, hi, Dan. <laughs> and then he, like, turned around and he kept going. And I followed him for the next 24 hours. And it was great. That was, like, it was, it was definitely a great experience to be able to follow him uh, through that selection, that last 24 hours of his selection journey, you know, and be there. Okay, so you're, you know, we both come from the land of, hey, we passed special forces assessment selection, and we call the event GORUCK selection, which a bunch of us got around and were like, yeah, we're cool with this. Yeah. And, you know, and now you're, you're at the selection schoolhouse, the, the, the Green Beret one. Yep. And are we doing a good thing with GORUCK selection? That's sort of my question to you. Like, are we honoring, are we honoring what it, what it is? Are we building a bridge? I mean, it's not an event we have to do anymore. Right. Like, now, should we do this? Is this a service that, that honors our roots? I think in the time constraint that we have in the 48 hours that we're trying to, trying to shove as much into that event and falling back on our roots in the special forces community. I think we're doing, I, de I definitely think we're doing selection of special forces assessment and selection. I think we're doing it a service. We, there's no way we can replicate SFAS. It's, it, it's impossible. It's three weeks long and it's eight times a year, you know, and it's free, by the way, for anybody in the army that wants to go. So, but it's super hard to replicate, but for the mental aspect, for the, you know, the, the sped up physical aspect of it. Yeah. I, I think we're absolutely doing it a service. hundred percent. What do you think the hardest part about GORUCK selection or SFAS is? I think it's the mental part. You got to want it. You, you can pound pavement. You, you can do all the miles in the world. You can rock, you can train, you can go like nothing replicates the mental games you play with yourself uh, when you're out there, you know, SFAS, when these guys are, you know, out there doing land nav on the middle of nowhere at night by themselves. I mean, that's when the demons start creeping up when you're, you know, at go rock selection and you're just getting pounded on by the cadre for four hours in a, in, a, in the ocean or, or even worse than your, your dad's, you know, fun farm up there in uh, Ohio, <laughs> in God's country. You know what I mean? Or doing whatever, like you got to want it, man. You have to want it, and, and the only person that knows whether you want it or not is you. Like you're fighting yourself, like you're selecting yourself whether you should be there or not, you know. And and that's the hardest part. And I don't think I don't think that gets as much attention as it should. Whenever you know we're talking about that event, and like the mental strength is is the biggest part of those events. I really do. I really believe that. All right. So transitioning to nine eleven, mm -hmm. twenty years. What's going through your head to mark the 20 year anniversary of 9-11? Yeah, I mean, my, my, shit, my entire military career, I mean, 90%, over 90% of my military career has been shaped by the events of 9-11. I mean, I spent three plus years in Afghanistan, a couple other stands uh, in, in support of the, you know, the war on terror. You know, I went to Africa. I mean, my, my entire existence, the, the, my identity as a Green Beret is tied to, unfortunately, the events of 9-11. And uh, the sacrifice that, you know, folks in the military have made to uh, go overseas and fight the war on terror. And, you know, the, the other part of it is the, uh, the families. Thousands upon thousands of families have been touched 
by by the events of 9-11. I mean, it's just so profound that that event completely changed the course of so many people's lives, that one event, you know, when I think about it. And, and it's still like I, I still, anytime I see any video of, of the plane school in the World Trade Center, I still get angry. Like I, I still get like as angry as I was, you know, as a 20 something year old pipe hitter full of piss and vinegar in the 82nd Airborne Division, you know, I still get angry when I see it. I, and I don't think that's ever going to go away. I think a way, uh, to honor those folks that, uh, you know, paid the ultimate sacrifice in the events after, uh, 9-11, you know, fighting the war of terror or, you know, the innocent civilians that were killed that day is, you know, on us the pavement and, uh, talking about it and, Sharing, sharing the stories of those that we lost. I, I, I think that's pretty important. I'm glad that GORUCK does, uh, GORUCK definitely goes full throttle for, uh, for, for 9-11 as far as, uh, trying to do everything we can to, you know, have that good balance between memorializing the events of 9-11, you know, and talking about the sacrifice of all involved. It's a hard one, you know. I, I'm the same with yeah. you. I, I, you know, I see. Like I can see the next decades of my life almost flashing before my eyes with my kids. And I went to the Korean monument memorial in, in DC, you know, right off to the side of the, the Lincoln. And yeah. I was there with my, my grandfather. He was an artillery officer in, in Korea and said, you know, went to, <laughs> went to OCS at Fort Sill, Oklahoma in the middle of summer. He's like, yeah. it's hotter than hell there. Like I never want to go yeah. back ever again. Anyway, <laughs> he never talked about the actual war, but I, you know, there was just this moment that I have with him there. And I, I don't know, it probably meant more to me than it did to him. Although maybe not because my grandmother was there as well. And he just sort of walked around and he was like pointing out the weapons and the ponchos and the helmets oh, yeah. and, and that kind of stuff. And I can see that flashing before my eyes when it turns into Iraq and Afghanistan with, with my kids. And yeah. part of that is is not just going to be the national mall. It's going to be in in lower Manhattan at, at ground zero. Mm -hmm. And you know, when you, when you go there and you take your family, take your kids and you're a little bit older, you have a, even more perspective and they have no idea what this is. Like you're, yeah. you're, you're reading out of a history book for, for them. And, yeah. and yet it means so much to you and you're able to kind of pass that along. I mean, that's, that's how these things, you know, stay alive and, and, and the yeah. lessons stay alive and the sacrifice means something. And so, it's it's hard to go back to New York for for that reason, but it's always it's always worth it. And I think that nine eleven it's it's just it's one of those things where if something bothers you or it's a difficult moment or it's whatever, and you just bottle it up and you don't talk about it at all, I think that's not the healthiest way to to deal with stuff. And so, giving myself, ourselves, our community, and anybody that the community wants to invite more of an outlet in order to kind of come and come and learn something about this from people or, you know, cause you see people showing up now for these events and they're like, they, they, yeah. Like they have no recollection of it. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. No, it is crazy. That's absolutely crazy. And, uh, you know, I was, I was honored to run a, a 9-11 event in uh, DC years ago. I think it was, I want to say 2015, 2016. And, uh, I remember going to the Pentagon and I, I remember seeing, you know, the memorial that was there with the, uh, with the chairs. It, I, I, I mean, like, it just, it, it, it's hard for me to put into words how much anger I still have from the, the events of 9-11, you know, and, and I'm not angry at, I'm not angry at like how it affected my life and in, in, in the time I spent in Afghanistan and everything like that. It was just 
it's more the anger of like, I, I, I can't believe that we have people on this planet that would kill innocent civilians. I, I just, it just boggles my mind. You know what I mean? These people had nothing to do with anything. And, uh, I mean, it's sad. It's, and I still, I still get angry, but, you know, being, being able to do that Washington DC event and being able to walk around, you know, DC and then go uh, over to the Pentagon and, and see the memorial, you know, that, that, that was huge. And, uh, I still haven't ran a New York City event. Bucket list, bro. I know. One of these years, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it, and uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's still it, it's hard. It, it, it really is hard when I think about 9/11. You know? Probably, I mean, you bring Sandy and the girls up for that. It's just yeah, you know, add a day on the front of the back. All right, so a couple more shotgun memories, right? Like what? Like fast, fast, fast. Big memories last last ten years. Crazy moments or strange moments. Moments make you smile. What, what, what are they? Oh yeah. So the, uh, we ran that 75th anniversary in Normandy, those go ruck events, you know, we finally, after all those years that we're trying to run HCLs and, you know, scavengers and all this other stuff. And, you know, we finally had the, uh, we finally got it right. We got, we got the rhythm on the events, right. You know, having the other cadre there, you know, having DS there, having Mocha Mike there, having Heath, you know, you, Phil. you know, I mean, it was awesome, you know, and, and having M there, Emily doing, you know, banging out, banging out some events while she was there. I mean, that was great. You know, uh, if you're out there, if you haven't done Normandy, the, the star course there, the, the 75 K or whatever, the, it's 50 mile equivalent. It's, it's one of the greatest rucks on planet earth. It's like, yeah. call it 10 or 12 miles. Maybe it's a little less Yeah, from point to Hawk to, to Omaha, best ruck on yep. planet earth. There's that, that yep. route that says access on D don't go this way. It's yep. closed. Make sure to definitely take that route. It, it handrails the cliffs right at Point yep. de Hoc and, and takes you. Yep. So, I mean, Normandy is the most American place on planet Earth to me. Yeah. The, the beaches of Omaha are the most American place on planet Earth. And it's just, it, it just, all the, the, the stuff that bothers you in life or whatever you go there and you're just grateful and humbled and fill, fill that up in your cup every once in a while and, and good things happen. Yeah. Then, you know, whenever, uh, you know, that's the anniversary, you know, when I'm, when I'm explaining to the class, like, Hey, this is what happened on this beach. This is what's going on. You know, I'm explaining it. And then we actually had that, we had that awesome veteran that stormed the beaches right there. And he came down without listening to me. And he came down and explained everything and validated everything that I've said it was one of the most profound experiences I've ever had in GoRa. Like it's just hard to put into words, being able to articulate what went down that beach and then hearing it from a guy that actually stormed the beaches. That was just, so awesome, you know, and, uh, you know, I think in Normandy, the other thing I think of is, you know, my wife, Sandy, I mean, she did, she did a tough, uh, she did the Utah beach tough, uh, years back. And, um, the community aspect, I, I reached out to my favorite puddle pilot and, uh, I was like, Hey, you know, Sandy, Sandy's doing the event. Can you, you know, keep an eye on her during the event? She's going to be doing the tough. And Nico is like, yeah, absolutely. You know, a little funny backstory is like, you know, Telling Sandy, Sandy, she knows what goes on at Go Recommends because I obviously tell her, you know, I mean, she knows what's coming. And, uh, I helped her train up by like, you know, when she was like, Hey, I'm going to go for a ruck today. I'll go out to a rucksack and add like five, 10 pounds in there without telling her, you know what I mean? So like to get her ready for, for the tough and she did great. And, and it was so cool to be able to hand my wife a Go Ruck patch. And there's a really awesome picture of like my wife giving me like a funny face. Like I did all this for this goofy patch. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, and uh, it's it's just a super, it's a really funny picture. But like you know, running events in Normandy, I, I had the best best memories of running events 
you know, Normandy. It's a, it's a great place to run go-work events. And you know what? Even if you don't want to do go-work events in Normandy, don't. Just go to Normandy, period. Like, you know what I mean? It's a great place to go. And uh, It's great around the anniversary, though, specifically. Yeah, I mean, everyone just, the uniforms and just the reenactments, vibes, and they just love America there. It's fantastic. Um, Next one I definitely want to touch on, at least briefly, is Bragg Heavy. I mean, the first Go Ruck Heavy. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. The, yeah. the, the, the video that was at the beginning, right? The, the sort of, I remember standing off to the side and Andy was there doing the filming and you gave that speech and I was like, Hey Andy, this video is going to come together. Perfect. Just take some of the thrasher vids, thrasher stuff that comes after this and just overlay it. The speech it's done. Yeah. You know, so anytime I do these brag heavies, I always, uh, not everyone, but definitely this, this year and that speech and the very first one, I, I, I spent a lot of time like thinking about like that speech, you know what I mean? To get everybody fired up to like encapsulate the event and, and get the folks fired up. And I remember I sat in my team room before the event, I had everything in my head and I just, within about 20 minutes, I put that all on the paper and rehearsed it a couple of times and I went and banged it out. And the, and the uh, kind of a small little funny story is I actually took a public speaking class at Fayetteville Tech. And it was during that time frame. And like, I don't have a problem with public speaking. Uh, I, I think I'm actually pretty good at it. And uh, so I showed my instructor that video. And he was like, yeah. He's like, this is great. <laughs> He's like, wow. <laughs> you know, watching that video. But, you know, that event. That's great. The, the, the funny thing about doing those events on Fort Bragg is I remember the second time you told me, you're like, hey, man, great job, great event. You're not doing this on Fort Bragg again until we get like 100% permission. Cause we didn't exactly have 100% permission for the first two events, which is why we haven't gone back. You know, I mean, we're still working on that permission thing. Yeah. You know? uh, it's Some, all right. Sometimes the ask for forgiveness, beg for permission thing doesn't necessarily work. Um, but, but you brought up a great point. You're like, look, man, like you're up and coming in your career, man. Like this isn't worth your career. You can do this brag every, we'll, we'll, we'll just do it outside of Fort Bragg. I'm sure you'll do just as fine, you know, and, uh, it's the king of all rucks and it's always going to be the king of all rucks. And, and I'm looking forward to doing the, uh, the Bragg HTB here in 2022. All right. Any more shotgun before sort of your, your parting words of wisdom? Yeah. So I got two shotguns. So not, not in order of points, right? So the cadre working with the cadre at go Ruck, It's, it's so awesome to work with, 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 you know, these bros. And uh, I, I told the class of Wilmington, I'm like in 10 years, in 150 plus events that I've ran, there's only been two cadre that I wasn't exactly 100% with, you know, two. I mean, you think about the math on that, like all the other cadre I've worked with, I would work with all of them again, minus two. And well, they don't work for GoRuck anymore. So they kind of weeded themselves out, you know, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, running the, the, the brag heavy with like, you know, Bill and Chewy or, or like <laughs> running selection with Bert, you know, or having Bert come out whenever, cause, Bert shadowed me, you know what I mean, when I ran events in Charlotte, or, or uh, Patrick the Hammer in search of a nail at all times, you know what I mean? Garrett, yeah. you know, Garrett, Garrett was always awesome to work with. I love that guy. Mocha Mike, you know, you're obviously working with you is always fun all the time. You know, Brad, Clee, Bellman. I mean, I do on and on and on, you know, and you work with the absolute best of the absolute best of special operations. And Anytime that I get to work with another cadre, I always look forward to it, you know, 
sometimes with a catcher, you, you know, you're just by yourself. You know what I mean? So, like, you look forward to running those events with other catchers. Like, I'm doing the Badass Babes event. Are you? That's awesome. Yeah. Is, is Bellman back? Yeah. So, I'm working with Bellman. And, and I mean, he's he's solid. I love working with him. He's great. And then um, I'm pretty sure it's Whiskey Mike's going to be out there. And I haven't worked with him yet. So, always looking forward to working with him. Even like Cleve. You know, Cleve, I, I've been wanting to work with Cleve for years. And I just called him up. And I was like, hey, bro, you want to work with Brad Heavy? He was like, I'll be honored, bro. I mean, like, he was like, you know what I mean? Like, and he was there. And it, it's just so great to work with the cadre at Go Ruck. And, uh, you know, lastly, man, the, the best part of Go Ruck is the participants. They're the center of gravity. That's why I keep coming back. You, you meet all these different people from all different walks of life. And they always throw curveballs at you. It's never stale when you run events. We, we have shared understanding and we have shared values, norms, beliefs, you know, all those buzzwords. And it's so awesome to work with the, the participants, you know. It, and part of it that doesn't really get out there is just like the amount of support that these have, these the, the participants have for like us as cadre. You know, so when I was deployed, you know, like I, I got tons of care packages from the Go Ruck community. It was so awesome, you know. Ton of, when I broke my foot and I was down for like six months, I had like tons of messages and, and, and tons of phone calls and people hitting me up and, and, and checking on me. And then like, even without, you know, just breaking my foot or whether I was supported or whatnot, you know, just in general, you know, people reach out to me like, hey, man, you doing all right? Like, just want to see when your next event is, you know, or, hey, I was just thinking about you today. Or, hey, man, I saw this and I was thinking about your favorite quote, fuck them. You know, <laughs> and, so, and they tell me a picture. You know, I mean, it's just like, it's so awesome. It's so motivating to hang out with these folks. And, you know, I, I really enjoy all the time that I get to, you know, hang out with these folks and run events and everything like that. I always look forward to running Go Ruck events. I need it as much as the participants need it. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's been my experience. I mean, literally this bridge that we, and it's very much we, were building, it was the cadre and then there were some more cadre with participants and then there were some more yep. participants. We're, we're building a bridge, you know, from this spot over here and we're just kind of building it as we go. And you can't do it without you have to have both. Like we couldn't, Yeah. I mean, by definition, if it would have been just us sort of special forces, military folks, right? Yeah. Like it's not a bridge. You're already yeah. living there <laughs> and you're really comfortable in that environment, but the rest of the world isn't like that. And so it's in a lot of ways more challenging to expand your, your, your group or your comfort zone or whatever. But I've, I've found so much value in, in doing that and in, in seeing people, of completely different walks of life come and yeah. meet up under a log or whatever. And by the way, another note is logs have kind of been out of style for a while. People have gotten, mm. oh, I've got sandbags or whatever. Like, nah, I think we need to start, I think we need to yeah. start urban foraging some more for, for some yeah, big ass logs everywhere, you know, yeah. like the one yeah. where you don't know how big it actually is. But you got to, you know, you just send the class in to go get it. And you're like, oh, fuck, that's a lot bigger than I thought. But like, let them just drive, let them just keep on driving on, you know? I mean, sandbags yeah. great, but logs are, logs are pretty special. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You're, you're right. Cause I, I, even me, I'm slacking. So I'm glad you're holding me accountable to a standard. Be like, Dan, you need to start incorporating more log PT in your events. Execute. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Whenever I run the uh, Badass Babes event. 
like there will be no shortage of logs in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. Like Bellman, I already know Bellman's probably got all of them already. He probably already knows where all of them are at. Yeah. Like done. That's an easy place to find logs. So yeah, these poor ladies, they'll be fine. Yeah, they'll be <laughs> fine. They're great. They'll be fine. All right. Yep. Well, to everyone out there listening, thanks for listening. Little reminiscing of old days to new. It really is. It's it's a lot of fun to get together and and kind of tell some old stories, reminisce a little bit. It kind of brings us back to our center of gravity and and the roots of of what it is. And then you know you expand a little bit and you contract it a little bit here and there. And it's kind of this series of re- rebirths over over time. You know. Dan is the, the, the oldest standing cadre along with me at, at GORUCK. And so between us, we've, we've got a lot of experience and, you know, it's been just a hell of a ride and it is, it's fun with the cadre. The participants are, participants make the party though. Yeah, I mean, cadre know good. how to party like cadre, but it's not as fun, you know, no. it's not as fun. It's, it's so much better with, with the participants, especially at some of these, these big events. And, and the more that you, you get to know people in the community, the more fun everything yep. is. So yep. been awesome, man. Thanks for coming on the, on the show again. Final, final thoughts, words of advice. Don't fucking quit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to glorious professionals. We'll see you next time.